Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday night edition of Sports Conversation on the Fight Network. And, of course, Frank Carroll at the controls, as always. Roger Hendler is in Atlanta, and our key figure in Tampa, Florida, as always, is Roy Cummings. There's a lot going on. But before we start the show, let's throw it right back to 
Frank Carroll. He's got a dedication. Got to take care of a little business. And then we'll jump right in with Roy Cummings. Thank you, Don. Tonight's program is dedicated to two really wonderful people. The first one uh, is uh, Master Trooper Terry Spawn. On Sunday morning at approximately uh, 9.30, she was posted at the gate at the uh, Sunshine Skyway Bridge. There was a special run for uh, the wounded soldiers, wounded warriors, and the bridge on the um, north side was completely filled with thousands of runners. A lady from Sarasota decided that she would uh, want to go around all that to get to uh, St. Pete. And she put herself in harm's way by going around all the barriers, gets very close to some of the uh, runners, and Terry pulled her patrol vehicle out and took the brunt of the crash. Uh, she was in uh, Bayfront Medical Center uh, with some uh, major uh, injuries, but I'm told today that she's been released. Uh, Terry, we thank you for your for your uh, service. We thank you for everything you do each and every day. And for all the men and women of the Highway Patrol, we hold you in a very special place. The other one is uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, we grew up together. He was an he was an outstanding athlete at St. James High School in Chester, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> he was a, an Olympic runner who uh, went to Villanova University. Uh, John Buckley. Johnny uh, Johnny was a great guy. Did a, a number. Still holds a number of records at both at Villanova and at St. James. And uh, for those of you who don't uh, may not remember John, John is the uncle of the Honorable uh, John Carney, uh, Governor of the State of Delaware. So to uh, Johnny and to Anne, his mother, uh, Anne Buckley Carney, uh, we send out our very best wishes. Uh, now for our business end of 27, 39, 42, or 51. These are not lottery numbers. These are what the legislature has allowed FPNL, Tico, and, and uh, Drake Club Electric to raise your bill over the last three years. There's another one coming of 22% uh, at the end of this session. There's a way to beat that, and that would be to call our sponsors. Um, Patrick at uh, Area 727. Three one four six nine seven six. They have a, a program, uh, BioSolar, as a program where you you buy the uh, you buy the electrics from them for the next twenty five years at the same price. They cut it by at least fifty percent. Uh, at the end of that time, you either own the uh, unit or you trade it in for a new one. They are licensed in each and every state. So if you call John, I'm sorry, if you call Patrick and the boys, 727-314-6976, they can take care of you, and uh, we thank them for the sponsorship. Uh, All right, Frank, thank you very much. Now we get to the world of sports, and, uh, well, this time of year, especially for all of us down in Florida, we should be talking baseball. But right now, the National Football League is taking over the spring as well as the summer, as well as the winter, as well as the fall. And Roy Cummings, uh, Tampa Bay is right in the middle of things, signing some players, great outside receiver, and then a running back who's had great success since coming over to the Buccaneers. 
But that's just a couple of the moves made uh, in the last couple of days of the National Football League. They've taken the headlines away from everybody again. <laughs> yeah, they tend to do that uh, this time of year whenever free agency gets going and um, or, or in this case uh, trades are made. Um, and uh, you've got the uh, obviously the, uh, the franchise player tags being thrown on top of guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, quite a, an interesting 48 hours in the NFL with a lot of quarterback movement. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, something that uh, Philadelphia fans are certainly interested in. Carson Wentz goes from, uh, goes from Indianapolis, uh, where he played fairly well, um, now back to uh, the NFC East, but this time with the Washington Commanders. So, um, very interesting. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson now is a Bronco. Uh, obviously, the, the Packers hold on to Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, teams like the Buccaneers that are kind of looking for quarterbacks, a little interesting how, you know, they were, they apparently haven't really touched uh, any of these uh, players that are uh, being moved around. Of course, there's so many high draft picks involved in some of these deals that I can understand why, because I think the Buccaneers are facing a, uh, a rebuild. But, um, you know, we shouldn't be surprised really by the Broncos and what they did. Uh, this has kind of, kind of been their MO for, for many, many years, going back to John Elway. I mean, they usually – trade for quarterbacks they don't often develop them uh they did develop elway but uh it took a trade to get him so um you know but then they go get peyton manning and you know they've, they've done it before so no real surprise there that they were involved they were certainly interested in getting aaron Rodgers in some kind of a deal if possible uh it looked like they were always going to try to make a deal of some kind uh still some quarterbacks out there that uh, teams think could could be traded uh, you know we'll see what happens there but uh Carson Wentz uh, back in the NFC East, and now he uh, could be a, become a nemesis uh, for the Eagles as they uh, continue to try to develop uh, Jalen Hurts. So that's an interesting scenario there, guys. Roger, I, 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 let's bring you right in because I can't agree with Roy Moore. You know, Carson Wentz had his difficulties with management with the Phillies and with the Phil with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then when he went out uh, last year and, and looked like he was going to take over and stay in Denver quite a while. He had trouble again with, uh, you know, some disagreements with uh, the powers that be. And, of course, at the one year, they loaded him back. And so I guess it's a good move for Washington. They didn't have anybody. But, Roger, you were on top of it when he was with the Eagles. You were on top of it when he was out there in Denver. What do you think? Well, uh, I'm surprised that uh, the Redskins made the deal, other than, like you said, they they really need a quarterback. Because uh, if he couldn't make it with Frank uh, Rick, Frank Reich, I should say, I mean, who is he going to make it with? He wanted to go there. That was on his choice. And, Roy, as you said, he played pretty well. But when you're lo- losing that Jacksonville game uh, was a disgrace. And uh, th- that's why they didn't make the playoffs. But I think there's a lot of undercurrent uh, within the uh, – the locker room. And I think that was another reason that uh, they let him go uh, because uh, they, they just needed to, to, to get him out of there. And I don't know whether he will be successful in Washington. When we talk to Mike Simzak uh, later, uh, he might shed some light on this, but uh, I think that as long as you, don't get along with your teammates, and it's been that way with two teams. Uh, I don't see where where it's going to be three's a charm. 
Roy, you mentioned that I have to agree with you that uh, sort of sort of looking at what's happening with the Buccaneers, they're holy fourth, they're holy fourth, they're holy fourth. But uh, I agree with your earlier statement. I mean, quarterback certainly has to be in the realm there somewhere, doesn't he? Yeah, it really does. And uh, there's there's a lot of head scratching going on here in Tampa right now as to what the game plan is. I mean, uh, the fans don't want to believe right now that the plan is to go with Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask. Um, I mean, one is a pretty much a failed, uh, you know, early round pick uh, who, who had his chance and didn't quite improve that he's probably a backup uh, in Gabbard and uh, Kyle Trask, who, you know, obviously never played down in the league. And, you know, he's got a year uh, under his belt uh, of watching Tom Brady, but uh, we've all watched Tom Brady play. Uh, and for longer, more years than Kyle Trask has. So I, I don't know if that gives you much uh, uh, you know, pleasure. So I think it's a, I think it's a situation they're going to address in free agency. Look, I've been saying this for a while here locally uh, on radio and TV uh, when asked and uh, been asked a lot. Uh, I think the Bucks' best option is to go back and get Jameis Winston. I really do. I, I, look, he is the top quarterback in free agency. He's got the most upside of all the quarterbacks in free agency. He may not be a surefire uh, winner, uh, he's still got some growing to do in terms of uh, you know his skill set uh, and, and things like that. But you know, uh, my guess is he's, I believe he's a better quarterback now than he was when he left the Buccaneers. The game plan all along, five years ago, now six years ago, was to have Jameis Winston uh, become the star quarterback for your team for the next ten or fifteen years. That can still happen, and. Um, you can get him at a bargain coming off an, an injury as long as the medical is good. You know, I think he's the best option out there. And uh, I, I don't obviously don't know how Bruce Arians feels about it, but I will say this about Bruce Arians. He was brought here uh, ostensibly, primarily, to turn Jameis Winston into a winning quarterback. He basically quit on that job and, uh, and went and found a, another uh, mistress when Tom Brady became available, well, it's time to go back to uh, the person you were married to originally, and and I think that would be a smart move for the Buccaneers. So we'll see where it goes, but they're starting to run out of options because um, you know I don't think Deshaun Watson is an option for them. Uh, you're starting; to, it's getting to be a little bit thin in the quarterback uh, group, and uh, I just don't, I don't you know again I I don't have a whole lot of faith in. Uh, Blaine Gabbard and, and Kyle Trask being uh, guys that can make this team competitive. And, and Rod, as Roger has said, this NFC South uh, going forward is, is pretty much wide open. Um, the quarterback, it used to be a quarterback-driven uh, division uh, back in the, you know, not too many years ago. And uh, all of a sudden Drew Brees is gone. Uh, Winston may be gone. Uh, all that's left is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the guy in, uh, in Atlanta and, uh, you know, so we'll see where it Matt goes, Ryan. but uh, it's not Matt Ryan. Yeah, it's no longer the, uh, you know, the uh, the quarterback-driven division that it once was. So it's pretty much wide open, and whoever, you know, gets the best quarterback could easily take this division uh, because I think it's going to be a 9-8 a and eight team anyway that, that ends up winning it. Well, Roy, in all fairness, uh, you've been a James Winston <laughs> supporter since day one, even with all the problems he had when he first came in and, the suspensions and everything else, you were you were pretty much uh, on his back trying to uh, think that he was going to be this quarterback. And so, obviously, uh, you still think he's got a chance to be the quarterback. But let me throw this one out, Roger and, and Roy. Uh, did Pete Carroll just say, look, enough is enough. 
uh, I don't want to play here. I do want to play here. I don't. They made a they made a big time trade, but they got a lot of players. They did. Yeah, they did. And uh, you know, I was just going to say well, some quick uh, what Roy was saying about uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, today in school, I had a kid with a Matt Ryan jersey on it, and I was trying to get his <laughs> attention. So I said, Matt. And so one of the uh, kids tapped him on the shoulder and said, the teacher wants to get your attention. So I said, uh, are you, uh, do you know who Matt Ryan is? No. I said, uh, are you a Falcons fan? No. I said, then why are you wearing a Matt Ryan jersey that co- probably cost $100? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, I'm looking at some other things here. And I'll tell you, the Steelers need a quarterback, okay? They don't really have anything. And a sad note, I just read that uh, Johnny Greer, the first black referee in NFL history, passed away at 74. And uh, there's uh, seven teams that need quarterbacks or have questions. And Joe Banner, uh, Don, you and Frank, you probably have seen it, uh, probably more than and Roy sees it, but uh, – Joe Banner is still on the bandwagon that the Eagles are going to wind up with, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, the guy from uh, Houston, you know, the Sean um, Watson. The Sean Watson, yeah. He he's on, he's on that. He keeps on saying it. That's where uh, he's going to wind up with the Eagles. So I don't know. Well, if all you you're thinking about, got to have a lot of nerve to do that, boy. Yeah, exactly, Don. You you are absolutely right. Uh, look, if all you care about is talent, and, you know, let's face the facts, a lot of NFL teams only care about, you know, talent. They don't care about yep. character and uh, what it could do to their locker room or, uh, you know, the, the black eye it might give their franchise or anything like that. Um, you know, they'll claim that they vetted the situation and they know more than everybody else does about the player and the situation that he's in, but Boy, oh, boy, you're talking about a guy who faces so many, you know, what, multiple, uh, what, almost two dozen, uh, uh, yeah. uh, more than two dozen uh, lawsuits here. And I don't know that he ever plays another down in the league, to be honest. But uh, that, that's, boy, that, again, that, that, that takes a lot of guts to, to make that call. I think you're better off sticking with uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and, uh, and continuing to develop him. Again, uh, it may, you know, Here's one of the problems we have in the NFL, and I've said this before. I've probably been saying this for as long as I've been on the show with you guys. Teams are so impatient with quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll they'll hang out with a with an average left tackle that they drafted in the first round for five, six, eight, ten years if they have to. They'll do the same with a running back or a wide receiver or a linebacker. But a quarterback, if you're if you take you know any more than a year or two at the most uh, to develop and become the, the consistent winner the teams want, they are ready to ship you out. And they're all out there. there there's tons of them out there. And uh, I, I just think, you know, you just got to have a little patience. Uh, you know, they're not taking the franchise away if, if you don't get to the playoffs next year. It's not happening anywhere, okay? Uh, the Eagles are still going to be the Eagles. They're still going to be in Philadelphia. They'll still be at the link. And uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, they'll, they'll find their footing again. Uh, but constantly changing out quarterbacks is not good. Uh, bringing in Deshaun Watson would be a black eye. I don't think it would be an upgrade on Jalen Hurts necessarily because of all the uh, I don't think the city sports. would go for it. I, uh, Frank's exactly. in a better position than any of us. I don't think the city would go for it. Yeah, I don't think the fans yeah, would. I agree, Don. 
Yeah. I would hope they yeah. would. If you listen to, to the guys talking and you listen to the, see what's going on, uh, they're not happy at all with, with uh, starting with Howie Rosen never have been. But uh, I don't right. think that that position is going to happen at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, one of the words I don't think it will. Well, uh, I mean, I, listen, I, I agree, with, but I'm only telling you what uh, is constantly brought up every, almost every day. I mean, and, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Banner, I don't know whether he's still tight with Lori or not. But, uh, I mean, he was calling a lot of shots with Andy Reid in that long tenure. Uh, and Joe Banner helped turn that that team around. There was no doubt about it. So, uh, you know, he's supposedly an insider now, and he talks to a lot of people. So, you know, who knows? No, I know. And Lori's taken right that chance before. I, I got to say that. He, he gambled Vic. before. But, and, and so, but but not uh, a big difference between not Vic like and – no, that's not like this. Let's, well, fellas, we got 11 games in the National Hockey League today. Uh, let's, before we run out of time here, let's, let's turn things over a little bit on the hockey front. Uh, let's go, first of all, Roy, with the Lightning, because uh, they're a question mark. They, they're right there, what, one point behind uh, Florida, but at the same time, they're having a tough time. They're beating the bad teams, but they're having a tough team with tough time with the good teams. Yeah, the Lightning have hit a little bit of a slump, and it's kind of a, of their own doing here. Um, you know, they're on the road, which is not, not easy. Um, but it's, but at the end of the day, they just they've been playing very sloppy at the beginning of games. Um, they have been down two nothing, and I think three of the last four games uh, very early. And and you know when you're playing Chicago, it's uh, you know even when you're playing Winnipeg, you you should be able to bounce back from that if you're the Lightning. But sometimes. Um, you know, they just sometimes just can't seem to get out of their own way. And uh, uh, they've been a little bit sloppy. And they just need to be a little bit sharper mentally, I think. But, you know, look, it's, it's, it's the middle of March here. Uh, not a time to be concerned, really. If this is when you hit a slump and you, you lose a couple of points, I don't think they care necessarily whether they finish first or second or third uh, in their division. Um, they just don't want to have to face Florida, period. Uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, it, it could still come down to that. It, it more than likely will. Um, but uh, unless Carolina maybe jumps in there from, uh, you know, from the uh, Metro division and, and maybe the Rangers. I mean, it's going to be an interesting playoff scenario. But, look, the Lightning are going to be in the playoffs unless something, you know, disastrous happens. Uh, but they, they've just been a little bit sloppy, and they've let some teams hang around. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, they have to short – shore that up they know that but teams like florida and again the rangers carolina pittsburgh possibly they're looking at that and they're seeing that uh you know this team is a, a little bit slow off the jump and uh, that's going to have to change uh come playoff time or uh they they could find themselves down against the team that they can't catch up against well as i say you just look at the division itself i mean uh the differential between one and four is what three points Maybe four. Yeah. Again, I don't have the paper from me. It's either three or four points. Uh, so any one of the teams that they're going to have to wind up playing are going to put them in a situation where it's going to be 50-50 or maybe at best 55-49. I mean, uh, it, it, that's my opinion anyway, Roy. Well, I agree with you. And, and you know, what we've also noticed uh, during this little uh, – this recent little slump of theirs, again, it's, it's an early-on slump. They just come out a little bit flat, it seems. When they are the aggressor, they're a much better hockey team, and 
they probably need to come out and be aggressive from the from the jump. And uh, we'll, we'll probably see that in the playoffs. But let's also not forget, and, you know, this is something that not a lot of people, well, it's been mentioned a little bit here in Tampa, but maybe not enough yet. And the playoffs are going to be the real test. They're missing what they call the energy line here because they have Blake Coleman and Blake Goodrow and Yanni Gord. Those guys are all gone. Now, they've tried to replace that with Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry uh, and uh, a couple other guys, you know, uh, Joseph and, and Colton. But at the end of the day, it's just not the same. That was a dynamic line that you could throw out there, and certainly it could shut down the opponent's best line. It could create scoring chances. Uh, they called it the energy line for a reason because they set a tone early on. And right now the Lightning don't have that. And if you look through their roster, they've got energy-type players. Again, Patrick Maroon, Corey Perry, uh, Matthew Joseph. Uh, you know, they've got these guys, uh, Anthony Sorelli. But they don't quite click the way that line did. It's, why, it's one of the reasons why tomorrow night's game against uh, Calgary, I think it's a real interesting game for them. Calgary is one of those teams that will, uh, will match you physically. Uh, they, they, they will throw the body around a little bit. And I'm anxious to see how they match up on the road against Calgary tomorrow night. I think that could be very interesting. Um, again, a bit of a, uh, of a test as to where the Lightning really are and, uh, you know, are they capable of uh, uh, three-peating here uh, and, look, it's, it's no uh, shame if they don't, but uh, this is a team that's capable of winning another Stanley Cup. Uh, right now they're not playing at the Stanley Cup uh, championship level, but I'm not sure that outside of Florida, Carolina, and, boy, I'll pretty much leave it there, that there's a team better than them still uh, in the, you know, headed for the playoffs here. Well, maybe Toronto will win the first game in the playoffs. <laughs> they, they get to the playoffs, and <laughs> yeah, they don't win. So we'll see what happens there. But Roy, thank you very much. We're out of time for this segment. And uh, look forward to next week. We'll talk more about the National Hockey League and what's going on there, as well as uh, what's happening in the National Football League and who's doing what and when. But thank you very much, Roy. Always a pleasure. Have a great week, is always Roy. mine, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Thanks, Roy. Take care. Bill Matthews is on the line right now, and uh, Bill, our, our rules expert, and uh, baseball, as I, we talked at the top of the show, I know you didn't hear it, Bill, but uh, it's amazing to me that every other sport, in basketball, baseball, hockey, I mean, uh, basketball, football, hockey, everybody's taking the front row against baseball because they're not doing anything. But uh, first of all, your observation on that. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty volatile scenario right now because nobody can agree on what's right and what's wrong. But an interesting fact that's kind of floated out now in the media is that the television contract that the league has is a rollover contract. So what that means is it covers the first month of the following year just in case there's some kind of a labor disagreement, such as what surfaced this year. So the owners are going to get paid the TV revenue from the first Mm. month of the year, whether there's games or no games. Mm. It doesn't matter. So now everybody's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, it means we may not see baseball until May 1st. Roger? Well, the... The uh, latest is that uh, 
uh, now they're canceling. A, you're exactly right, Bill. They're canceling another uh, a group of games. And I was listening to um, uh, Mike or you know uh, Chris Russo, the Mad Dog on Mad Dog Radio, and uh, he was uh, talking about it. And the the players uh, now seem to be the guilty party. Uh, you know, well, losing uh, public respect, et cetera, and support uh, because the uh, they've gotten just about everything they wanted, including, I think, the international draft, as they were talking about. So what's your opinion uh, about that, how the owners versus the players stand now? Well, you know, the owners are billionaires, and they've got the political clout, and the, and the players are – you know, even though it's 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 a it's kind of a being a middle class guy, you, you, you can't understand when they say, "Oh, the average salary is too low." Well, the average salary is you know five hundred thousand dollars a year, but it's all relative. The owners back themselves into this corner, but now it's easy for them to paint the players as the villains. And you know, we've had some guys working out at our place trying to just you know get their reps in and get their ground balls in, and I mean they're. They're like, hey, you know, we, we can't do anything about this. The owners, are, they're, they're holding the purse strings. So it's a sad situation. The owners painted themselves in, into a corner by giving out big salaries, and now they're trying to unpaint the corner and get out of it, and they, they just can't do it. So I don't know what a viable solution is going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but I think the players are going to come out looking like the villains for sure. Bill, you've been at every phase of the game. You sit up there in the press box and uh, make decisions on key plays night after night uh, down at the trap. Uh, but let's say, let me ask you this question. Uh, you're also uh, very clear and concise on the rules. And the rules, uh, again, are something that they're discussing. I don't think they're the things that are holding up the negotiations, but they are discussing it. One, uh, your observation on the bigger bags. Number two, and... Uh, I know they used robots in the minor leagues, but uh, why that would ever come up as a as something that would happen in the major leagues, I just can't believe. I mean, I, maybe I'm old school, but I, I think the umpires are such an important part of the game that uh, you'd really be taking fans away uh, if you decided to make some kind of artificial balls and strikes or whatever. So I, I can't believe that. And uh, the designated hitter, I've changed my mind on that one. I'm in favor of that. Some of your observations and other changes that they're they're making in the rules. Well, I think um, I think the bigger pace is so absurd. It's it's um, high schools are using it. Um, there, there's all kinds of different organizations, boys clubs, girl clubs, uh, special Olympics. They use the side by side bags. It's a safety concern. Um, it's going to impact scoring because now it's going to take guys out of the baseline. I, I, I just don't think that's a good idea. Um, the, the, the automated strike zone, you know, we've already seen it in the minor leagues where they've used it where there's a glitch in communication. The automatic strike zone calls it a strike, and then just as the pitch is winding up to throw the next pitch, the home plate umpire throws his hand up and calls the last pitch a strike. So,
99.3%. That's 7% to 1% that they missed on, and you're talking about 75 guys. Come on. We don't, we don't need to improve on that. It's never going to be 100%. Roger. Well, no, I'll tell you, Bill, I, I agree. And uh, I think there's, uh, there's too many things that uh, need to be corrected. Uh, Don has said it over and over again that things need to uh, be corrected to go back to some of the uh, old ways where, you know, people look at, at it, that they, they were hitting uh, that uh, wasn't affected by the shift and things like that because they, the casual uh, fan is, I think, is going to – the baseball is going to take a real hit uh, with this uh, stoppage. Uh, with I the agree 100%. Uh, I saw something from Bill James the other day where Bill James suggested that if there's, a, uh, if there's two strikes on the batter and he fouls the ball off, then the rules should be if he fouls another one off, he's out. That's a slow pitch softball rule. We can't do that in Major League Baseball. Guys are throwing 100 miles an hour. Of course you're going to foul pitches off. You're going to say that the second foul ball with two strikes is an out? That's completely absurd. Oh, then you take away from the ability of the players. Right. That's Bill, from the uh, from the official scoring standpoint, have they made any changes that uh, that you have to be on top of before the season, if it ever does get started? Yeah, you know the biggest thing is uh, <clears throat> the the gambling houses, and everything's going to be tracked in terms of decision making. Um, if if we change the call during a game, there's going to be some sort of an algorithm that's used to see if the change of that call could uh, could, it could uh, impact the outcome of the game. So because of because of gambling, we're now being scrutinized in terms of our decisions. Now I would say that I make a, an in-game change maybe once every ten games. But I don't, I don't do it because there's anybody around me. I do it because it's the right thing to do. But now there's going to be some sort of an algorithm that automatically clicks in and sees if there's going to be any kind of a impacted by my decision. So I think gambling's had a lot to do with official scoring right now in terms of how we do our jobs. Roger, we've talked about this many times, uh, and especially Billy Wardell. Hopefully we'll have Billy on with us next week or the week after. And, uh, uh, you know, it, well, it finally came to the four. Here's a guy who has a contract for $11 million next year. And he decides about $150,000 on the games when he's not playing. I mean, uh, Phil, you're exactly right. Gambling, gambling is becoming, I mean, it's just overwhelming to me. Roger, your thoughts? Well, absolutely. Uh, and that uh, player, uh, uh, Goodell, was suspended for uh, – a year because he bet on games. Hey, wait a minute. Are you telling me that Roger Goodell has never bet on a game, even on a Super Bowl <laughs> pool or things like this? You've got to be kidding me. And this is a disgrace. The NFL loves this gambling uh, house money coming in, the official uh, casino of the National Football League. And then he suspends it. And I'm with you, Bill. I just think it's going to ruin everything because – the owners, and, and also uh, in baseball, too, uh, because they've uh, partnered with all these uh, uh, gambling houses. They've got a casino in Philly uh, that uh, you can walk from the casino 
uh, to Citizens Bank Park, the Wells Fargo Arena, and also Lincoln Financial Field. And probably, uh, what would you say, Don and Frank, about uh, maybe half a mile, three-quarters of a mile at the most? Yeah, less than that. Well, it's sad that we have to make these adjustments because the league has now decided that gambling is is a necessary evil, so we can't ignore it. But, I mean, love or dislike Rose, he gambled, the guy in the NFL gambled. If everybody else can do it, they can't do it. I mean, it's a, it, it opens up a whole Pandora's box of what if – it, 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 it's, an, it's, an, it's a discussion that's going to go on for ages. Um, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame, best hitter ever, but he gambled on his team. But now my decisions are going to be scrutinized by an algorithm if I make a change in a game because I might be right. paying for gambling. Come on. Right. Come on. It's just not right. Absolutely but, not. But those Frank, you got a thought? That have been in the game. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I heard that the the uh, television thing before with Bill, um, and I, I figured that's where it was going to come down to. But when it comes down to to betting on the game, uh, everybody's doing it. Uh, the guy who works for me today told me he won the three dollars on on a, a twenty five cent bet with with somebody. Um, <laughs> you know, like you say, win or lose, like him or not. Charlie Hustle was Charlie Hustle. Will always be Charlie Hustle. Uh, he didn't do yeah. anything more than uh, McGregor or any of these guys. Says there any of these guys with their steroids, uh, and I think he should be on the Hall of Fame. I, you know, that's my personal feeling. But uh, okay. you know, I think Major League Baseball um, players uh, with these exorbitant uh, salaries, I don't think if the if something happens with the um, television money drying up. They are all in deep doo-doo. Where they're going to get the money. Bill Matthews, our special guest this segment of the show. And Bill, of course, uh, so much involved in baseball his entire life. And as you said, uh, Bill, uh, are there any other changes from a scoring standpoint or from from your own visual uh, point of view as far as baseball is concerned? Have we ever get it going? Knock, Knock on wood right now, there are none. Um, everything that was talked about has been dropped, probably because of the delay. They don't want to have a delay in the start of the season and then implement some new rule changes. Everything's kind of been put on the back burner, so baseball will be baseball. The 10th inning will start with a runner at second base, which I don't really have a problem with. That's fine. Um, because you're saving arms. You know, Now, unfortunately, these rules are being made because the salaries are so high. You can't impact arms if you're going 17, 18, 19 innings in a game. You don't want to hurt a guy and end his career. Um, so I think the spec, starting the runner at second base is fine. I don't have an issue with that. But um, as, as of right now, it's just a matter of whether or not guys who are billionaires can agree with guys who are millionaires and decide whether or not we can actually play the great game. You're right. Well, the other Bill, thing about the long games, Bill, is the fact that uh, – uh, you know, you're going to use – you play a, a 13, 14, 15 inning game, and these guys only pitch five innings for the most part, and you're going to use seven, eight, nine pitchers in, in one game. And, and uh, that's going to be a, a tremendous, tremendous burden for your bullpen. Roger, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just going to ask Bill uh, about how his college team looks because at least uh, college uh, baseball is getting a lot of play early early on on TV. Well, I'm, I'm retired from coaching. I'm, I'm an okay. administrator and a professor now, so uh, I don't have to worry about the knuckleheads banging my head against the wall anymore. We have had some minor league <laughs> working out in the morning. Um, I, one of my ex-players is now coaching the team. Um, they're doing a pretty good job. He's got a ton of scholarship money, which I didn't have. So I remind him pretty much daily that I won over 600 games with no scholarships, and now that he has eight, he better go undefeated. Six hundred is a pretty good number, Bill. Yeah, yeah. six hundred with no scholarships is a pretty good number, especially in the state of Florida. Um, yeah, now I teach absolutely. five classes and I uh, I do some administrative stuff, dealing with coaches and counseling the coaches, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Plus, I got my major league D five. It's time to kind of backpedal a little bit hit the brakes maybe, and I'm never going to stop working because I, I love doing what I'm doing, and they still pay me to do it, but um, the kid better win or else I'll, I'll make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a young guy compared to the three of us, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, by a few months. Just by a few months. <laughs> Bill, how did, you, how did you like the recruiting aspect of it? Uh, was there a lot of recruiting going on? Uh, how much of the state did you use? Or did you use any out-of-state uh, recruiting? Yeah, you know, when I first started, because I was a non-scholarship guy, I bring guys from down down from uh, the Midwest, upper Midwest, uh, from New England. I didn't get a lot of Florida guys because I couldn't compete with the money that other schools were offering them. But I'd go up to the north and I'd get guys who played hockey, football, basketball, baseball, multi-sport guys. I'd offer them an opportunity to come to Florida. And, uh, and, and and play baseball year-round, and they were like kids in a candy store. So my recruiting was very different than the other schools in our conference because everybody else was fully funded, and I wasn't. So I'd have all these financial aid guys who had high need, and they get a lot of federal dollars, and I'd get them from inner city Boston, Detroit, uh, Chicago, uh, New York City, uh, Baltimore. I'd just go in and I'd, I'd find tough kids who wanted to come to Florida, but then I had to corral them all and keep them all out of trouble when they were here. So my house, my my house was more like a frat house during some of those years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't let them stay on campus. They had to live in my house just to stay out of trouble. <laughs> but, but I loved it. I How about tuition? What what's it? Tui- what was the, What is the tuition at your school, Bill? The total cost to go to my school is sixty-two thousand dollars a year. Wow! I, mi- I missed how much that was. How much was it? thousand dollars a year to go to Eckerd College. There you oh, go. Smokes. There you go, Don. Like I, it's gonna I be one of the, that, that's yeah. gotta be one of the bargains like in the world, school. Roger. That's like an <laughs> Ivy League school. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean it's, I, it's I, it's I, I even like I think LaSalle's like sixty five thousand now and yep. I know when my daughter was at Bucknell and that's uh, she graduated uh, twenty years ago. And it was uh, thirty-five thousand then, it's, and it's more than doubled now. Well, that's why I went well, to I the looked Northeast at the... because, because our price tag didn't, didn't, you know, it matched up with the Northeast schools, so it kids would pay the same price to come to me as it could to stay home to go to school in New England. So why not go to Florida? That was there that was you my go. recruiting tip. Yeah. That's that's any that's any, any hopes though. any hopes, Bill of. Uh, 
then you kind of move it. Do you think of the next week or so if they're starting to cancel more games? I mean, uh, how deep can you think they could go before it really gets to be a, a pressure cooker? I feel 100% certain they're going to start May 1st. I feel 100% certain that's going to happen. I think they're going to settle, start spring training around April 10th, and uh, start games May 1st. If it goes past that, baseball is going to be in a world of hurt. For sure. Roger? But I, I, I feel agree really totally, good Bill. Uh, well, I, I think it might be a little bit before that, hopefully. Uh, I'd like to have it start uh, tomorrow, so we knew what we know what we're going to uh, uh, be seeing. But I will say that at least the uh, the minor leagues, like I can go to see a Triple A game locally, and I think they start. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I think uh, in middle of April. I think I read the other day. Right. Right. Yep. Have, uh, their minor league, their minor league players working out here at Ed Smith Stadium, and they're going to obviously have some games, and uh, you get a chance to go and see uh, some of the minor league players that uh, are not on the forty-man roster that can still be, uh, you know, utilized and, and uh, work in the facility. So uh, you get a chance to see, uh, but I don't know the difference between watching, uh, you know, those players and watching, uh, you know. Uh, high school, Sarasota High School or Venice or whatever. Uh, you know, you talk about kids that are 18, 19 years old and yeah. haven't played much more baseball than the, than the kids in high school. They throw it a little harder and they know a little bit less about where it's going to end up when they let it go. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Some, of those, some of those young minor leaguers have got arms that are unbelievable, but they have no idea if it's going to go over the backstop or go in the right. club. Right. That's that's the only difference. Well, it's a great game, and they're doing everything in the world to uh, destroy it, in my mind. Even thinking of some of these things, uh, going back to what I said about the bigger bags, I've talked about that for a couple of years because of the safety factor and uh, uh, also the fact that the the bags aren't belted as they, uh, you know, so you have a chance for the bags to move when you don't have necessarily going to, you know, break a foot or something. But uh, and again, I think the bigger bats too, uh, Bill. Maybe you'll disagree with it. Uh, give you a better opportunity if you're a base stealer or you're going to take that extra base, uh, and you come off the base by a fraction of a of an inch, and uh, you know they, they call you out. I mean, I mean you're out, but to me, uh, I, I don't think that's a fair distribution of the replay. Well, plus a lot of guys using sliding gloves now, which gives them an extra three inches above the end of their fingers. So that that's an advantage that the base runner has now. So if you give him a bigger base to match up with the sliding gloves, it's going to be hard to throw somebody out. Just kind of the way it's going to work. Because he's got that extra reach by putting that glove on to protect his wrist, quote-unquote. He's actually trying to gain an advantage when he steals the base. Are you in favor of it? Am I in favor of the bigger bag? Yeah. No. I don't mind the sliding glove. The sliding glove is fine because you're, you're actually protecting the guy's hands from getting stepped on, from snapping his wrist. I don't have a problem with that. With bigger bases, that's that's softball. We 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 just we can't do that. We 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 can't use bigger bases. My goodness. Beer league softball on a Sunday with a keg in the third base dugout. Roger. 
Yeah, well, they. I. I don't know what else to say. I. I agree with you uh, totally. I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, what changing these the size of the bases and and all this other stuff. You know, who who comes up with these ideas? <laughs> the, uh, the the guys with Ivy League degrees uh, in New York who are trying to think about ways to get more fans, speed the game up, and score more runs. Those three things are mutually exclusive. You can't make all three things happen. Right. And and you can ruin everything. But they're going to keep trying for sure. Unbelievable. How about the uh, you know you're so closely related to what's happening in in Tampa with uh, and uh, what's happening with with the Rays? Uh, some of your thoughts for you, as we hopefully get to spring training, uh, uh, they're they're going to they're going to have to make some moves. They they have made a couple of moves before the the lockout came. Uh, your thoughts? You see them every night. You uh, get a chance yeah. to to evaluate the competition at the same time. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna hurt the Rays. I think the delay is gonna hurt them for making some of the deals that they could have made over the course of the winter. I think it's gonna slow them down in terms of getting the guys. You know, they're a buy low, sell high team. That's the Wall Street mentality. And I think some of those guys are gonna jump at other offers because if we cut the season down. Teams are going to want to win earlier. So they're going to spend a little bit more money on guys they probably wouldn't have purchased before, but they're going to do it now because they, they're, they're losing 20 games or 25 games off their schedule, and I think that's going to hurt the Rays. I think the bargain basement guy who needs another year to try to resurrect his career, I think those guys are going to be few and far between. So I think this is really, really, really going to hurt the Rays. Hey, Bill, Bill, thank uh, you very about, much for being with us again in this segment of the show. And uh, Brian Reason is sitting by uh, as we talk about the National Hockey League and the Lady. But thank you, Bill, so much for your observations. And we'll we'll keep in contact. And hopefully there'll be a baseball season not too far down the road. I look forward to the next opportunity, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Miss all you guys. Thanks, uh, Bill. Take care. Let's go. Let's go with baseball. Absolutely. Take care, thank Bill. Thank you so much. There you right, go. Bye-bye, there guys. you go. One of the one of the great people of baseball. Six hundred wins as a college coach. Not a lot of baseball coaches win six hundred games. And of course, Bill's been in the press box scoring for the uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays for many, many, many years. Uh, super guy, and always a pleasure to have him on the show. Brian Reason is ready uh, to chat right now, and we chatted the first half of the program with Cummings a little bit about <clears throat> the Lightning and how they were doing and getting ready to go into the playoffs in a very, very tough division. So, uh, Brian, nice to have you with us. And a thought or two about the Lightning first. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, I'd like to echo, too. Hope the, uh, the baseball and the Rays get going here uh, very soon. Straight to have them in the, we all uh, do. Going to the sports marketplace <laughs> for Team Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Uh, as far as us, uh, yeah, we're here in uh, beautiful, sunny at uh, Calgary, Alberta. Um, here in the uh, the month of March, obviously, we're playing a lot of uh, road games. Um, started off uh, in Chicago and uh, played in Edmonton last night. Uh, now we're in Calgary, play here tomorrow. Um, obviously, uh, it's been a tough division. I mean, uh, if you look at the Florida Panthers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins are hot. So it's been a, uh, a division that's kind of gone from – 
um, kind of lower down and some of the other teams up in the Northeast where we're kind of looked at as the powerhouses where now uh, when teams have to come in and they play us, they play the Panthers, they have to play Carolina. You know, it's just a little bit of murderer's row when they have to come down and, and play our teams in the Southeast. So it's it's good. Hey, Brian, how's the weather up there in Calgary? A lot of snow or not? Uh, what do you think? A lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of snow. Yesterday in uh, in Winnipeg, we were joking. We were walking over to the rink with uh, with our team reporter Gabby Shirley, and the snow piles were taller than her. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, any, uh, I, I think it was I'm minus. Just, uh, I think it feels like temperature was minus one. Uh, this wow. Well, I yeah. I was at opening night for the uh, Flames uh, when they were in Atlanta, October '72, uh, when the wow. Omni opened up, and and they never, uh, it never should, they never should allow the Flames to leave, but they never should allow the Thrashers to leave either. The disgrace. Well, oddly <laughs> enough, we're playing those two teams two in a row here. We played Winnipeg, obviously, which came from Atlanta, and then we play the the Flames tomorrow. So we're kind of playing the both yeah. those teams here. Back to back. Well, you talked about uh, you know the lighting and the and the division they're in. Holy smokes! I mean, you, we got the trading deadline coming up. Is there any conversation about uh, uh, trades? Uh, this thing is so close. And uh, as Roy said earlier, maybe the one team they don't want to play is Carolina. They're only one point behind, but uh, that's immaterial. It's going to be one tough, tough division. Yeah, I mean the Eastern Conference is obviously there's a re- lot of really good teams as there as there always uh, is. You know, obviously we're happy to be one of those teams that's considered one of the good ones. At least uh, I would I would think we are um, around the league. Um, but it's tough, you know. It, there's still a lot of time left here. It, it looks to to be that all the the eight teams in the Eastern Conference that are going to make the playoffs are pretty much decided at this point. Um, but there's going to be a lot of jostling uh, in between. Um, from now until the end of, of April when the, the regular season concludes. But it's going to be tough. There, if you, you, know, you mentioned the trade deadline coming up on the 21st. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in the position where we don't have a ton of cap space, and Julian Brisois has, has said that um, to anybody that, um, that'll listen. Um, basically, you know, um, you know, setting those expectations is really, you know, we have to be able to – to, to t- take money out in order to take money in. Um, so it's a little bit of a tough position. Um, now we have been able to do that before. We did that last year when we acquired David Savard from from Columbus, where we did a little uh, wrangling of other teams to take on some money. Um, so if anything were, were to be done, it would need to be um, something where we have some money going out uh, as well, or, or there's something, you know, creativity going on with the salary cap there. Um, I know they're always looking to find to find ways to get make the team better, um, and, and you know does does that does this move help us win win the Stanley Cup if we're able to pull something off? So we'll see what happens. Um, you never know; it's, it's tough to speculate, but um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on on the 21st. But it's certainly uh, an exciting time for for fans, maybe not for players as much um, that may be traded away, but um, 
we'll see what happens. Uh, I think we do have confidence in our management team to do uh, whatever is in the best interest of the Lightning in order to help us, you know, try and win that third uh, Stanley Cup once the playoff time comes comes around. Roger. Hey, Brian, what's – if you had an opportunity uh, to, like, get, say, one player uh, at uh, one area, defense, uh, you know, center, uh, forward, what – uh, what would your uh, choice be, okay, to, to really uh, help the team at the last minute, so to speak, to go into the playoffs? I think for us, I mean, we have, we have a lot of, um, you know, high-end high end skill. I think, you know, as we did last year, I think a lot of the time, and I'm not saying this is what the team's looking for, but to me, I think it's, it's depth, you know. Like, um, we obviously last season – um, we had the, the whole line of uh, Gord, Coleman, and Goudreau, and that whole line obviously left in free agency this past and well, and the expansion draft uh, this past off season. So obviously that hurt the overall depth up front. So I think maybe you know we don't have a lot of money to take on major uh, major contracts. So I think you're probably looking at you know something debt related um, potentially. Again, just speculation. Um, but if that if that were to something that would be uh, come to fruition, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Do hmm. you think anyone, Brian, 10 years ago would have thought that uh, <laughs> as you look at the division, the two teams from Florida would be 1-2 and two teams, and one of the two teams is one back-to-back Stanley Cups? How many people would have dreamed that? Yeah, you know, it's finally like, uh, you know, it's becoming a destination for players. You know, they, it's, uh, you know, obviously no state tax. The Panthers are finally starting to Reap the rewards of some of their high draft uh, draft picks, and you know, starting to take advantage of that uh, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's you know, the Florida was kind of a joke for a while um, in, in hockey circles, but now you look at uh, the success that the teams are having; it's it's remarkable. Roger. Well, and you look at the uh, difference between uh, cold weather sport uh, as hockey, and then you look at baseball. And uh, both uh, teams in Florida can't draw. I, I think that's very ironic, Brian. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, we've, you know, our, our community hockey department has done a fantastic job, and we've seen, you know, an explosion in, in hockey. There's not enough, enough ice time to keep kids on the ice growing it up. We had, you know, the first player, uh, Nate Schmidt, um, who played on the U.S. Olympic team uh, in Beijing, um, played in the Lightning High School Hockey League. He was a draft pick by the Winnipeg Jets. You know, so we're starting to see some of these players come, you know, come from Florida now. Shane Gosses Fair, who um, grew up and started playing on the other on the other coast, um, closer to the Panthers, but still a, a Florida-grown um, NHL player. You're starting to see that in some of these other markets as well that have that have made a commitment into um, you know teaching the game and, and getting kids involved in the game at an, at an early age. You know, you can see it. There's there's players coming from California. There's players coming from Texas. You look at like a Blake Coleman who came from Plano, Texas, which you don't you know think of when you think of you know hockey hotbeds. But teams are really you know making commitments to getting kids uh, on the ice uh, playing street hockey. I, I know we've we've distributed more than two hundred thousand uh, street hockey sticks and balls to um, kids at schools throughout the Tampa Bay area here. 
um, through our Lightning Made program. So, I mean, I think it's there's a commitment from teams now to uh, to get kids involved in the game and get their hands on uh, at an early age uh, and get them. So, Brian, I, I think one of the one of the board. yeah, I think one of the things that goes unnoticed sometimes, and uh, you know, I I take a moment or two right now to. I mean, Mr. Vanek, what a job he has done. You mentioned uh, street hockey, but at the same time, what a job he's done with the community of, uh, you know, the money that he gives away at each and every game to the uh, uh, military, the armed forces, uh, uh, all the community activities he does. I mean, I don't think anybody in, in, in any sport spends more time taking care of the community that he his team plays in. Yeah, I mean, we, we we say it all the time that Jeff's the the best owner in sports. Um, you know, he gives the organization every every resource from on the ice, spending to the cap to um, the community. Um, you know, Jeff feels that you know the the team belongs to the community, and it's our obligation to to serve the community. And I think that's reflected in in what we do and our, our commitment, whether it's you know the community hero program, which you referenced, or you know our staff members. Um, you know, donating 40 hours of their own time uh, in volunteer hours every year. Um, you know, we brought in the Medal of Honor recipients, um, especially during uh, COVID, you know, some of the things that, that we did um, for the community, to, for the better of the community um, were remarkable. And a lot of the things that, uh, you know, financial donations that the Vinix did um, during that difficult time, it's um, it's a testament to uh, Mr. Vinick and, and Penny Vinick as 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 people, and also as their commitment to the Tampa Bay community, which they've really embraced since purchasing the team in 2010. Roger, Brian, will, uh, will Brian uh, go ahead, Frank? Bradley. Yeah, will, will Brian still have the uh, his uh, junior hockey teams and and class that he has the camps? I'm sorry, you kind of broke up. What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Will Brian Bradley still have the uh, the hockey camps and the hockey teams uh, for the uh, youth of the, of the area? Yeah, Brad. Brad is involved. He's not. Um, he's not involved in our in our, in our uh, youth hockey initiatives uh, full time. Um, Jason uh, Cullimore, um, who was on our 2004 championship team, kind of runs that for us. Um, and then Matthew Garon, who is a Stanley Cup champion and um, a former Lightning goalie as well. He's he's a uh, full time with our um, community hockey team as well. But Brian Brian does, is involved in doing clinics, and he also does a lot of fan events and that kind of thing, fan engagement. But yeah, Brian is still very much involved with the organization. Yeah, the, the Roger. Other thing is that, uh, the other thing that people haven't said yet. There's a lot of things that the Vinix do behind the scenes uh, that no names uh, are ever uh, mentioned. Uh, and they really have uh, taken a, a hold that not, not only Mr. Vinix, but his whole family and his sister and everybody else have really supported the uh, Tampa Bay area. And we would like all our fans around the world to know that, uh, that this is a, this not just a, a business to him. This is a, a lifestyle and this is a, a total commitment to uh, the people of the area. Yeah, 100%. Like I mentioned, like the, the thought process um, with our organization is that the, the team belongs 
you know, to the community and we have an obligation to, to serve that community the best we can. And I think that that starts with Mr. Vinnick and Penny's leadership. And um, mm-hmm. it's been remarkable just to be, just to be a part of it since they, since they came in in 2000, 2010, it's been, um, it's been great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they do, they do a ton of things obviously outside of it as well. It's a, mm-hmm. it's not really um, very often that, you know, some, that Mr. Vinnick gets involved in something now, um, you know, when he does something, people notice in the Bay Area, whereas maybe at the beginning um, when he was doing mm-hmm. things, he didn't get as much in, but now he's he's garnered so much goodwill and, and is so active and, and involved in, in any number of things from, you know, traffic uh, and, and getting involved in, in traffic and, and transportation in, um, in the Bay Area to obviously the lightning to starting the Embark Collective, which is a, you know, a startup uh, thing downtown. So, I mean, there's so many things that, that he's involved with and that he's got his fingerprints on. And then you can look at, you know, the development in the Water Street area that he's that strategic property mm-hmm. partners and in Cascade Investment are that's going up right before our very eyes. You know, we, a lot of these, a lot of the hockey teams that we didn't see last year are coming in for the first time and they haven't been here in two years. But they haven't been in mm-hmm. Tampa in two years and they come in and they see all these you know, buildings going up around, there's a brand new JW Marriott, you know, and they're just blown away by, by, by the progress that's, that's going on around the arena there. Well, we need more owners like Mr. Vinnick. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And uh, like you said, from the time he took over, uh, it's been nonstop supporting the community, building the team. And, and that's why they're, uh, they've had the two in a row and they're going for uh, three in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think our I think our fans and, and the people, the community, and the Tampa, you know, people in Tampa, they recognize the commitment to the community, and I, and I think that you know their support in the Lightning kind of reflects that, um, just because you know mm-hmm. they recognize that the team is supporting the community, and therefore they're they're supporting the team. I think that's I think it goes both ways. Sure mm-hmm. does. I hope you're out there in that one degree temperature doing a little snowboarding when. Uh, there's no games going on at practice. I hope you're out there getting a little exercise on the snow. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I didn't. This is a long, This is like a two-week road trip, so I, I don't have a whole lot of clothes to be going out snow, uh, snowboarding. <laughs> I think walking walking to uh, walking outside to dinner is probably going to be the uh, the extent of my outdoor activities. Don't feel too bad. It's gonna get it's gonna get cold here in Sarasota too in a couple of days. We got some storms coming in tomorrow and Sunday, and then it's gonna be a little cold for a couple of days. So and it'll be get above the seventies, but that's a little bit above that one degree <laughs> temperature you're working on. Yeah, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll make our way west here, and it'll get a little warmer when we get to Vancouver and Seattle. So hopefully, we're looking forward to Seattle too for the first time. Obviously, expansion franchise. So. Looking forward to looking forward to get out there and, and check that out and see what's going on. Well, a good thing yeah, I'm looking Brian, forward to work for a team. You can have your clothes uh, taken care of in the clubhouse, okay, by the crew there. You can always uh, wear sweats and whatever it takes. You know. <laughs> yeah, they have. You can tell you're not a hockey guy because we don't have a clubhouse. <laughs> uh, the locker room. The locker room. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just playing. 
No, yeah, we uh, there will definitely be some. My laundry bag will definitely be going with some socks and uh, underwear to the uh, to the equipment guys. <laughs> One of the- <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Brian. Thank you very much for being with us. I'll tell you, it, it's uh, great to talk to somebody in that one degree weather. I I sort of like this eighty-five we had here today, but uh, and I think I think most of the players in the National Hockey League, your earlier statement is true. They love to migrate down here to Florida, whether it's you know, no matter what what location is from Atlanta on south. I think they'd look forward to it. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to uh, migrating back to back to Tampa on uh, <laughs> Wednesday after the game. So it'll be we're looking forward to it. Well, have a good well, game tomorrow night. See if you can bring a see if you can bring a W home. Yeah, we'll try. We'll do our best. I will. I will. Before I go, and you guys let me go, I would, I would like to say it's um, you know it's great to be on the show here that Tommy used to be on Tommy G, our good friend. Uh, you know, friend of the lightning and, and and a personal friend as well. So he's he's missed, and we think about him a lot. There you go. Thank you very Thank much you for bringing you. that up. I couldn't agree with you more. I'll tell you, Tommy was dedicated to the lightning, dedicated to the National Hockey League, and uh, he's missed every day. Uh, people talk about him every time we do a show. Someone asks, someone asks us about uh, remembering Tommy, and thank you very much for bringing it up. Yeah, Brian, no problem. I, uh, good. So I was just going to say, he was the Lightning, oh, yeah, the lightning his, biggest, uh, biggest supporter, and, and I know uh, he enjoyed being on the air with you guys as well. So, yeah, we just want to thank you so much. We, have, uh, we listed your uh, schedule uh, as, as Tommy would want us to do on our, uh, our website so that every, all our, our listeners can see. And uh, we, uh, we'll keep on, on supporting the uh, Lightning. Uh, uh, and their endeavors, and uh, especially if you just let us know when you're going to have a uh, some kind of a program for kids or anything like that, we will make sure that we have people out there to, to support you to to, to uh, volunteer whatever you need. Absolutely, I, I appreciate that thoroughly. Stay safe, okay. and stay warm, Brian. <laughs> yeah, we'll do, guys. Thanks a lot. Take Thank care. You. Thanks, Take Brian. Care. Thanks a lot, boys. Frank, I'll tell you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, <coughs> we try our best to, uh, you know, as uh, most, I think, of the radio and TV shows, you try your very best to help uh, a cause that really needs it. And Mr. Venick, as we said, uh, has really done that with the community in Tampa and the surrounding areas. And uh, as you indicated, uh, everybody in your association uh, goes out and volunteers and does an awful lot uh, for the community. So uh, even though you all of a sudden retired at a very young age, uh, <laughs> your, your your armed forces continue to roll. That's right. And we'll, we'll be there anytime. Yeah. Roger, let's go back to baseball now for a couple of seconds. And uh, we're waiting for uh, uh, Mike Simchek to check in. Uh, down in Washington, Baltimore, because he has uh, obviously a lot of things happening down there. Washington just getting themselves a brand new quarterback, a former Philadelphia Eagle, and so we'll get a chance to talk to Mike about that, and also a, a host of things on the, on the soccer front. Uh, see where uh, the owner of the Jets is thinking about uh, buying a, a professional uh, soccer club over in England, 
and they will talk to him about that. He'll have a firsthand knowledge on that regard. And uh, so many things happening in the MLS, which we'll also touch on when we get Mike on the line. But, uh, Roger, you, you follow that MLS pretty closely. And uh, I don't know, they're, they're just kicking things off. You're getting started. and They're getting a little bit of publicity. They get a lot of TV time. Yeah, they are getting a lot of TV time, uh, Don. Absolutely. I was watching uh, a game the other night, uh, not only locally with the uh, uh, United, but uh, also uh, with the uh, uh, with other teams, you know, on, on uh, network, on the SPN, et cetera. And uh, I, I just uh, – it, it, and I think with baseball – uh, not starting on time, I think it gives uh, the MLS a great opportunity uh, to market the the sport uh, during this period of time since their season is kicking off. I I agree. I think uh, I think all the sports we talked at the top of the show about uh, you know and and as Roy said, the National Football League normally gets quite a bit of uh, activity anyway this time of the year because you're right before the close out of signing all the players you could do and making a trade and doing all the things that you uh, do to try to improve your club. And boy, have we seen that this week in the national football league, but uh, you know, with baseball on the back page or even further back than that, uh, all these other sports are really getting great. Uh, now the, the, uh, uh, all conference basketball championships are being played a lot of great games uh, already. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, pretty soon, uh, Baseball better do something. Uh, they're going to be a forgot, forgotten subject until you get to April or May. Absolutely. Yeah. Don, we're joined by uh, the illustrious Mike Simsack. Oh, Mike's here? Okay. Mike, uh, we said at the top of this segment that, that when you came on, we'll talk about the new quarterback. Uh, <laughs> the Washington football team has uh, uh, commanders of uh, – Brought back an Eagle, a Denver Bronco, and now Commander. Well, I would I assume that you're talking about Carson Wentz because uh, that would be correct. Yeah, um, I know that I ne- I never played for any one of the teams that I had, but I had been contacted about a possible trade to the Washington Commanders to play quarterback. Whoa. <laughs> well, if you read the news, if you, the reports out of here were uh, last week were that the uh, commanders had a list of 43 quarterbacks that they had called around the NFL to inquire about. I know that there were 43 quarterbacks in the NFL that were worth inquiring about. <laughs> right, right. What do you think about? Well, there's going to be a lot of pressure. Going to be a lot of pressure on your head coach this year. He had he had two years to. Uh, sort of get himself situated and try to make some improvements in Washington and uh, against a lot of opposition. Uh, I think this year uh, the pressure is going to be on the coach uh, as much as the players. What do you think? You're exactly right. Um, The moment they made this trade, the clock started running on Ron Rivera and the uh, commander's front office simply because picking up – Carson Wentz the way that they did and paying as much money as they're going to have to over the course of the next year, you need to find some sort of success. Uh, he doesn't get the moniker Riverboat Ron for no reason. This is a massive gamble 
for them. They're going to pay Wentz $28 million this season. Uh, now, there is an out in the contract for next season, but that's a significant portion. On the one hand, you can look at it and say, you know, they were able to upgrade the position discernibly over uh, Taylor Heineke, and they managed to do it without giving up the 11th pick in the draft, which is something that they really wanted to keep. Uh, they've been very public around here about the fact that they wanted to upgrade the quarterback position. Ron was on record saying that he wanted to have two veterans and possibly a rookie in the room next year. Uh, they made a offer for Russell Wilson. Uh, again, if the port reports around here are to be believed, that offer was somewhere in the neighborhood of three number ones and potentially two later round picks and an offer of players. But the discussion never really took off because uh, Seattle expressed a desire to trade Wilson to an AFC team, and they were already in negotiations with uh, the Denver Broncos. So my assumption is reading the tea leaves around the league as they broke yesterday with Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay, even though Rodgers had said that he wouldn't come to Washington. Uh, the news breaking about Wilson going to uh, the Denver Broncos and the fact that they had made the offer that had been rejected. And the news was likely to sign for Brian Dable up with the Jet Giants, with whom he played last year in Buffalo. The commanders looked around. They said, you know, what are our other options? And the one that they felt was the best option and the best value was Wentz, and they pulled that, made that trade official today. Before we, yeah, uh, they didn't have uh, to give uh, up a whole lot, Mike. They sw- they swapped seconds, I think. That's number one, and I think there's a, uh, a couple of threes. And then depending on uh, how uh, Wentz performs, I guess it can go up to a two. Isn't that right? Yeah, they swapped seconds. Uh, there's the third this year, and then the third that can become a two next year, um, and another pick in there. Um, what it does is, though, is it leaves the Redskins, the uh, Commanders, I think, with four draft picks. Uh, the one, the one that they move back in the second round, and then they don't pick again until the fourth. So they really need to make those first couple of picks stand out, and they need to be successful. And the question still remains whether or not they are going to use that number 11 pick to get a rookie quarterback if they like one of the guys enough to take him in that position, but feel as though Willis, um, be it even possibly Desmond Ritter or um, Sam Howell out of North Carolina, that they don't feel comfortable handing that person the reins right away. Well, it doesn't seem that, uh, you know, normally quarterbacks are the the leading target, all the publicity and so forth. And this is the first time that I can remember in a long time that quarterbacks are really <clears throat> well back on the list. You've got a couple of tackles that are superior. You've got a lot of linemen. You've got a lot of wide receivers. You've got a lot of cornerbacks. This young man from Notre Dame is going to be a great uh, selection by somebody. And uh, so, you know, I, I think 
really the commanders got away cheap. I I mean they got a quarterback who's played uh competitively and if he hadn't gotten hurt would have you know pretty much gotten them to the if not into the Super Bowl. I don't know if he would have won it, but he he was right there. Uh I don't know what the problem is between he and the other players in the locker room and, and other things. I don't know, but maybe uh in Washington he'll square all of that around and at least make them competitive. The big question is, are you, what Carson Wentz are you getting? Are you getting the one from his second season who was an MVP caliber quarterback? Right. Are you getting right. Carson Wentz from the latter part of his third season, the one that pretty much single-handedly led them to the playoffs? Or are you getting the Carson Wentz from the last two seasons who's been – who's kind of folded under pressure. Uh, I read something out of uh, Indianapolis today that said that they were very frustrated with the fact that they didn't feel like he was a leader, that they Mm -hmm. felt like he played reckless and he made too many reckless throws that were inaccurate, and that he did not respond to tough coaching and adversity well. These are all things that kind of mirror the things that we saw uh, last, the season before last with the, with the Eagles, right? A guy who after they uh, drafted Jalen Hurts almost sort of kind of wanted to pack it in because he didn't like the competition. He started playing a little bit reckless. And when he was criticized, resented it and demanded a trade. So what quarterback are you getting, right? And then the question is, even when he has played at that elite level like he did in the season where his second season where they almost went to the Super Bowl, is can he stay healthy? You know, I know that he wasn't hurt last year. That was the COVID issues that kept him out of those games. But here's a guy who – Well, he also, had that, he also had that issue with his foot which kept him uh, back in during training camp. It didn't, didn't hurt him during the regular season, but it kept him back a little bit in training camp as far as uh, getting and, enough uh, repetition. And he didn't get the vaccine. That's what yes. got COVID. And he didn't get the vaccine. The other thing is you're exactly uh, right, Mike. And if you listen to him at al- almost every press conference, I mean, I can remember with the Eagles and uh, from what I saw last year, it was always, I'm going to be me. In other words, uh, you know, you're you're not going to change me. I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's it. Now, the, if I'm a if I'm looking at from one perspective, you can easily look and say, you know, Frank Wright, who was supposed to be the Carson Wentz whisperer, was willing to get rid of him after a season and basically said, I can't coach him again. And they gave him up at a loss. Uh, but, you know, from the commander's perspective, look, you brought in a guy uh, who's younger and who comes cheaper and who has been a starter his whole entire career in the NFL, and you did it without giving up your major bargaining piece in your number 11 pick. And you have – from a talent standpoint, from a physical standpoint, you've clearly 
So I, I couldn't that. agree with you more. I think I think everything you said right there is is right on target. And the only uh, real question, and I think Roger will fill us in a little bit on this even more, is the fact that you know Wentz wouldn't give up the ball. He just held it and held it and held it, and uh, then at times he he just would uh, you know just throw it up for grabs. And, and I think that was one of the real when he was with the Eagles, that was one of the real problems. He just held the ball too long, Roger, right? Well, absolutely, and he drove uh, Doug Peterson crazy and also out of a job. That's exactly what happened. Well, there is a thought that, you know, going to a new offense, one that isn't as reliant on those West Coast uh, principles, that – uh, you know, Frank Wright was running, that Doug Peterson was running in Philadelphia, you know, it might be beneficial. He's going to be asked to make more of those big plays that we know that he's capable of. Um, I don't think that, you know, no disrespect to Alshon Jeffrey, who was great that first season with the Eagles. I'm not 100% sure he's played with a wide receiver who's quite as good and as capable as Terry McLaurin. So uh, the good point. relationship. Uh, we'll see how that develops, right? You know, the line that he's going to play behind this year is going to be better than it, – it's not the best one in the league. You know, I think that the Eagles line, at least at the end of last year, got sorted out enough where it's better than the Redskins line was. But I think when you look at the tail end again of his – of Wentz's time with the Eagles and certainly with the uh, with the Colts, I think the line that he's playing behind it's got some holes. They got to replace Brendan Sheriff and they've got to make some upgrades. But he's going to have a better line. Um, in it all depends on what he's asked to do in in Scott Turner's offense, right? Mm-hmm. And Scott Turner has. You know, it's been a while since he's had the ability to work with a quarterback who's got the physical tools that Carson Wentz has. So we'll have to see how that relationship uh, develops between the two of them. Mike, before we go to before we go to Doug Hamilton and turn our attention toward golf, a uh, big week this week in the world of golf and so uh, grass. But uh, one a one word answer is uh, Mr. Johnson going to become involved in professional soccer in England. Uh, I doubt it. Um, you know, I think it's just publicity. No, I think that he's making a legitimate bid for the team. I just think that there are people who have more money and more disposable income than he does. Uh, you know, the reports out of here are uh, that you know he's very knowledgeable. He understands the game. He's intimately familiar with uh, the. English Premier League and the history of Chelsea FC, but there are British owners, there are Middle Eastern owners, uh, some of whom I think will come in with more money, and some of them have the unique distinction of not being American. Uh, so ultimately, I would be a little bit surprised. Um, so I don't. Doubt All right, that. we'll leave it. We'll leave it right. We'll leave it right there because uh, Doug's waiting, and, and I appreciate it. next week we'll be back again and. Talk about whatever else is happening in Washington, Baltimore, as well as around the soccer front. Mike, always a pleasure. Thank you. No, have all right. a great you guys week, have Mike. a good one. Talk to you later. You too.
All right, Doug Hamilton is on the line right now, our resident PGA pro. And uh, uh, before we talk about uh, Sawgrass this week and the players, uh, I I, got to tell you that uh, I've been very disappointed in what's been written about the uh, Arnold Palmer tournament last weekend. First of all, I thought it was one of the great tournaments. To me, watching these pros who are all so good struggle the way they did to mm-hmm. come in with a four or five under par after four rounds. Yeah. I just thought sure. it was so much more enjoyable than watching golf and having them 18, 19, 22, 30 under. Uh, every hole was so competitive, not only against the player. Mm-hmm. And, and they all complained. Rory complained. Everybody's complaining that the golf course was too hard. Well, what are they supposed to do, Doug? Hmm. I don't know, man. I I think when you watch football, you like to see 60-yard bombs. You know, when you watch baseball, you like to, you know, Earl Weaver liked to see the three-run three, three run homer. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, look, you know, we, we we look at this kind of stuff and think, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys on tour, I mean, they're the best players in the world. But a lot of these guys are, you know, faint of heart when it comes to being divas. You know, I mean – you know, we we've seen U.S. Opens in our in our lifetime where if you hang around even far, you got a chance to win. You know, the it's 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 okay when things are hard. You know what I mean? Like it's you know I, I, from watching that that some of that tournament, that's a very difficult golf course. You know, and what what the hell's the difference whether the winner's at four under, five under, twenty under, whatever it is. You know, incrementally, unless someone runs away with it, they're they're all running the same three-legged race, right? So the lowest score wins. So who, who cares what it is? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I, just I just think I just thought it was so much more fun to watch, the watch the greatest players in the world struggle the way they did. And I mean, the conditions. Yeah. Uh, I grant you, you know, they said the greens were set at 13 plus and so forth mm-hmm. and so on. It made it so difficult. But at the same time, there wasn't rain. <laughs> there was a wind. The only thing mm-hmm. they had was the greens and the fact that they made a U.S. Open rough, which they don't have anymore in yeah, most I mean, of the golf tournaments. I mean, look, I would like to think that as a PGA Tour player, it's really fun to go out there and shoot 62, 64, 66, and, you know, cruise in there with the, all these under-par scores. And making birdies is really fun. You know, making eagles is really fun. But at the end of the day – you know, who doesn't like a good challenge every now and again? I think it's, you know, it to me it's it's a benchmark to see where your game truly is and then on, you know, the precipice of, of heading into uh, the Players' Championship. I mean, what are they going to do, get to Sawgrass and, and, you know, I don't want to play 17. That's that's too hard. You know, I, I, we're going to skip that hole. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, to, to listen to people complain about that kind of stuff. I mean, this is what you got. Everybody's playing the same stuff, man. Roger? I agree Roger with you uh, on that, Doug, uh, about <laughs> the uh, playing on the same uh, surface and everything. But uh, my que- my question is, how how can they do anything to change the golf game that's going to ruin it. Just like I'm thinking about baseball and, mm-hmm. uh, or do cooler heads prevail and, and golfers realize 
that they've got a good thing and they don't need to really change anything? Well, golf, I think, is you – know, now Now I think we're talking apples and oranges because in, in all these other – you know, facets of sports, you have unions, you have, you have player reps, you have owners, you have all these different things. And, and, you know, people get their money and their hands in this pot and they start, you know, essentially what we have is in, in major league baseball, we have billionaires who are fighting with millionaires. Right. And no one can come to an agreement over certain stipulations. Some are valid. Maybe some are not valid. Some are ancillary, you know, um, you know, I get it, but golf is one of the few sports, and I think it's the only sport um, where, look, man, you, you put eye black on, you get your ankles taped, you go out there to the first tee, and you hit it, and if you make the cut, you, 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 you know, you get a paycheck. Um, you know, the, the only discrepancy uh, I think that's present is, and, and you're seeing this more and more and more, uh, whether it's concepts of diversification or equality or gender or all these different things you know the only thing that you see is the difference between what what a man you know makes on the pga tour versus what a woman makes on the tour, which isn't any different than anything else we do in life it's supply and demand you know i mean on a sunday afternoon you know how many people that watch golf are going to turn on the lpga and, and watch it so the contracts aren't as big. The, the money that they have available to pay isn't as big. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty simple economics. Um, but, you know, again, I think golf is one of the few sports that's – there's no union, there's no player reps, there's no owners, there's no none of that to mess it up. You know, so it's, it's, it's pretty much on autopilot. Yeah, the poor winner this week in, in the only tournament only won two, $2,600,000. I think that'll hold him off yeah. for a couple of days anyway. Well, Two million six hundred thousand to win. He can buy a few bitcoins with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he can. <clears throat> How about the controversy now about Mickelson? I, Mickelson uh, interests me very much now. I, I did realize it was uh, – they're, they're not saying he's suspended, yet they're saying he's suspended. Well, what do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, that was funny because I had this conversation with people sitting around a fireplace the other day at work and it was cold out and I asked you know one of the guys that worked for me I said you know I could probably look this up I said but what in the world did Phil say that was so inflammatory you know I guess he was you know having concepts about um you know the the whole Saudi tour and how you know they they kill people based on their sexual orientation or all these different things and it's like you know it's, what's funny is Phil's always been pretty outspoken, and people may take that things that he said as abrasive, but he really wasn't wrong. You know, no, I mean, I wasn't. guess the world we the world we live in suggests you probably shouldn't say them. But you know, I, I'm a big fan of Phil Mickelson only because I, I, I enjoy people that shoot you straight, that say what's on their mind, and you know where you stand. Um, he's been a longtime critic of. Uh, the USGA and, and um, you know, the PGA tour at some of these things. And I think, you know, he, he, you know, people may think he has potentially bad delivery, but I, I, I appreciate the things that come out of his mouth because he's generally not wrong, you know? Um, so, you know, he's, he's one of the guys, if I had an opportunity, I'd love to have a beer with that guy and listen to his stories. I mean, that would be, you know, I'd, I would definitely be out past curfew. 
<laughs> well, if he is under suspension, I think guarantee it's not going to last too long because there's no way the guy's, you know, won the Masters twice. Well, I mean, I, I just the, can't imagine that. Uh, and for, of course, the, the Masters make their own rules. You don't have to worry about it. even if he is well, suspended. If they want him, to, want him to play, he'll play. He'll play. But uh, you know, Don, we also live in a world that suggests that there's these knee-jerk reactions. So whether it's whether it's Callaway saying, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna get rid of our, our agreement with you. We're just we're just gonna put it on hold. And that's that's essentially in saying, you know, we're just gonna let this blow over so that, you know, we can just pretend it never happened. Where you know, KPMG and some of these other people that dropped him or whatever, do you think Phil Mickelson really cares? I mean, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. The same thing happened to Tiger and guess what? Every, you know, he got new sponsors. Phil get new sponsors. Yeah. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it, the whole thing is is ridiculous because again, we we live in this world where someone says we need to take a stand here, not because we really want to, but because we feel like we're forced to and we're supposed to. You know, and and that's really the shame of the whole entire thing. I mean, and look. It, it, it frustrates me. Like we we have all these different. Like this month is what Women's History Month, and yeah. you know you, you you see these things. Like the other day was International Women's Day, and look, I, I can appreciate all these things, whether it's Black History Month, Women's History Month, and all these different months we have. But I I feel like that further segregates people, it and does. and and yeah. and to me like. You know, we we talk about this whole thing with that Brian Flores situation, and 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 you look at these owners in the NFL. I mean, do you honestly think the owners in the NFL they're trying to win Super Bowls? I mean, do you honestly think that they're going to say, well, I'm I'm going to consciously hire person X over person Y? You know, for what reason? They they don't have a reason. They're trying to win Super Bowls. They're trying to put the best people in place. So. You know, you know, I don't understand any of this. And then you, you, you listen to people say, well, we, we need more diversification in ownership. Well, if the Broncos go up for sale, my money is as green as yours, which is as green as the next guy's. Buy the team. Do what you want to do. Right. right. You know, like I don't, I don't get any of this. It's just like when you listen to whether it's basketball, hockey, football, baseball, whatever, and they're like, oh, well, we're going to do an all-women's panel tonight for, for the announcers. Well, Okay, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, whoop de doo Like, you, you, you're, you're taking a stand and forcing a reaction. If if those women are the best people to do the job, then then put them up there. But don't prop them up there because you think it's it's Women's Month. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't get any of that. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like I, I feel like I constantly live in this bubble that I want to go to work, I want to do my job, I want to come home, I want to spend time with my family, and I really don't want to see that crap on TV. You know, and – you guys probably are the same way with the, the military affiliations there, and I know Roger it is with you, and I know it is with my dad. But you know the whole kneeling thing, and and you know all these different things like you know putting stickers on your helmet and stuff in the end zone and all that crap. Man, let's just play football, man. Let's do yeah. that. Let's play football. Well, I'll I tell you what, I I would wish that uh, some of these teams wouldn't put these little decals for uh, great plays and things like that. I'm thinking about uh, what was it? Ohio state does it. I think Penn state does some. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you start out with a, uh, a, a bland helmet 
at the beginning of the year, and then when you get to a bowl game, this thing is saturated with these little decals. Well, but I will well, tell you, you know, I had I had a good positive. I had a, a, a sixth grade classes today, and uh, for mm-hmm. homeroom, every one of them said the uh, pledge of allegiance when it was uh, on the screen. And, and Roger, I'll, I'll go back. I'll go back for just a second because. Um, one of my seasonal assistants um, at the country club left, um, got another job, moved to the eastern shore, and so now I have a, you know, an opening in my shop. And um, I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, you know, her background is retail, and she helped me get kind of the, the whole retail thing going initially before she took her own, you know, job. And she says to me, she's like, well, can I come back and, you know, and work in your shop? And I'm like, of course. So to touch on that whole women's thing, I'm like, you know what? My wife is so good at what she does when it comes to the retail concept. I don't care whether she's from Mars. I don't care whether right. – you know what right. I mean? Like I'm trying to hire the best people, and I can flat out tell you that whatever team she's on in the work world is going to be a better team. And that's the mm-hmm. kind of person I want on my team. That's the kind of person I'm going to hire. So Exactly. It, it doesn't matter to me whether you're black, Indian, white. It does. I don't care. If you're the best person for my team, I want you on it. But don't tell me I have to to do this. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's the yeah. slap in the face. And I think that's that's where these people have to say, well, why are you propping me up to say, you know, like like in the NFL, the Rooney Rule. I think if you got rid of the Rooney Rule, you would see more diversification in in coaches. I think by the sheer fact that they're telling owners, you have to hire or you have to interview these people, you know, that, that they, they do it just to satisfy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, that's what the lawsuit is, too, with, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Miami coach, Brian uh, Flores. Um, yeah, Flores. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Brian Flores is a good football coach. Mm-hmm. You know, so if none of this crap would have been present with that whole Rooney rule and I don't know what happened with the Dolphins or whatever, you know, but that guy's a good football coach. And, and you know, he, you know, he, he can coach. I can tell you that. Well, I'll tell you, getting back I'll to tell you one thing, Jim, Jim, Jim Harbaugh made it official today for uh, the mm. people that haven't seen it. Uh, he held a little bit of press conference and said that when he signed the new contract with uh, the athletic director of Michigan, Mm-hmm. Uh, he told him that he talked about the uh, interview he had with Minnesota and the fact mm-hmm. that that would be his final National Football League interview, that he would uh, not mm-hmm. consider going to the National Football League uh, again. Well, he's going to be a college coach. Well, he's also, I mean, was he 58, 59? I mean, he had his bite of the apple and, and had some success. And, um, you know, there's a big difference between coaching the NFL and coaching, uh-huh. you know, college football and, you know, look, I, I would think at 58 years old. I mean, I'm I'll be 48 in August. Um, you know, if I if I had a good job at, at a good place and I was 58, I'd be thinking about retirement at some point in the near future, and I wouldn't want to be moving my family and moving around. I mean, why would you want to do that? I mean, to me, there's a little bit of you know something special in going to work every day in a place that you feel comfortable and that you know the place and you know the people and you know the inner workings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, who the heck wants to start over? You know, like me, I had 16 years at a place where, you know, that was autopilot for me. I I could have done that job in my sleep after, you know what I mean? 
Um, but then when you start all over, you got to learn new things. You got to learn new systems. You got to learn new people. You have to learn new ways. And that's, that's hard as you get older. It really is. I mean, we've, we've all become resistant to change. Um, are, you know, Doug, are you, are your members, uh, starting to filter back at all from uh, the South? No, or not? no, no they're not, they're not coming back for, yeah, it's too early. I mean, how we I looked at the forecast over the weekend, I think Saturday's a high of 41 and possible snow showers. Um, you know, we had, uh, this past Monday, I was at a, at a place probably 10 minutes from, from where I live here and I was hitting golf balls and it was 75 degrees, you know, I so, know. you know, I know, March is so fickle <laughs> and April's the same way. And I'm not going to rule out a, another snowstorm before, you know, we get to May one, but, um, you know, we just don't know. I mean, most of the members are, are still in Florida. I mean, they, you know, from a time stamp, standpoint they have a six month and a day concept so that they can keep their residents um exactly. you know so yeah. this wherever they come you know back here wherever they stay in, in the baltimore area it's you know it's more resort like i mean i won't really start seeing people it depends on the weather but i'm going to guess mid to late april at the earliest so, anything doug uh, on the equipment front uh, that uh, i know you have a lot of chance to take a look at things down to stock up the blue yeah. shop uh, anything uh, new that you'd like to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, um, you know, this is a really, really good year for equipment. Um, and, you know, it it seems like every year all these manufacturers come out with something new and you hear all the buzz about it. Um, and I think a lot of that is just the concept of marketing, hey, this is new. Um, what I can tell you that this year, TaylorMade has a brand new driver. You guys saw that unveiled. Um at the parent-child when Tiger Woods played with his son, uh, the, the TaylorMade Stealth Driver has carbon face technology, which is really, really good um, for all of your nerds out there. You can customize the color of the face. He, he used the red face, clearly. Um, you can do different colors. So they have like a Carolina blue, a gray, or whatever. But um, I've actually hit the driver. It's really, really good solid. I think the TaylorMade Stealth Driver is going to be the hottest driver um, of the season. Um, you know, Callaway has. They did a lot of. They uh, did a lot of advertising on the at the Arnold Palmer. They did a lot of advertising for that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tailor-made guys out there. Um, you know, on tour that that play it, and it's really good stuff. I can tell you, I hit it. It's it's solid. Um, you know, I encourage people that that are looking for new equipment to see their PGA professional. I mean, we have TrackMan technology, which is the Doppler radar, which tells you all your numbers of how far you carry it, your spin rates, um, you want to get the right shaft in there, you want to get the right length, you want to get the right flex, you want to get uh, fit properly so that you have the right equipment. Uh, makes a huge difference um, to get the right shaft in there. So um, Callaway has their rope technology, which they've built on over the years with the Epic, Epic Flash, um, the jailbreak technology, which is really good for stabilization. The face is pretty hot, um, really good driver. Um, I'm a Titus guy. Titus will, will unveil their new um, driver in Fairway Woods probably like August, September. Um, you know, uh, PXG is unveiling, I think, their Gen 5 stuff probably in April, um, which is really big for military people. They have a huge military discount, um, so I encourage anybody looking for, for clubs that have military background to, to check out the PXG stuff. Um you know, other than that, I mean, most, most golf balls have pretty much stayed the same. Um, you know, from a trend standpoint in apparel, um, you know, blue is the new black. You know what I mean? There's I mean, most of the color palettes surround 
some version of blue um, in terms of what I've seen for buying. Um, shorts, uh, men's shorts traditionally um, have been about nine and a half inch inseams, uh, which probably hits you right above the knee. Uh, this year, they're like seven and a half inseams, so they're just a little shorter. Um, some some weird trends there. Um, golf shoe wise, um, the boa technology I think is pretty big. So anybody that's ever skied, when you put your boots on, you twist the uh, the dial to tighten up your your boots. Um, that that concept is present in, in golf shoes. That makes it a little easier. You don't have to tie your shoes. You just tighten up the the boa. Um, golf balls I think are still pretty much the same. I mean, there's not a whole lot I think they can really do uh, with them at this point. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of good stuff going on in the in the market. I, you know, I know that, Don, you're a big avid golfer and reader, and, you know, Golf Digest comes out with their hot list and some of these different clubs that, uh, that come out and, you know, the technologies that surround them. It's pretty fascinating. Um, so, yeah. You don't think they're going to follow the Nicholas trend that make these balls so you can't hit them so far? Well, you know, you get these, you, you get know. these par fives. I mean, you're talking right. about the big hitters. I mean, you know, they're hitting the ball 340, 350. I mean, holy cow, it's a par five is an automatic par four for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys, when they, when they tee it up, if there's four par fives, they're already about 400, but you know, the, the, the loss and the strength of loss in these clubs and the length of these clubs um, and the technology that surrounds uh, not just the golf club itself, but the balls. I mean, these guys are hitting it so far. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're, you know, they're, there's a lot of different things. I mean, Phil Mickelson, for his age, is, you know, you, you really have to do your work in the off season, whether it's some version of fitness, strength, diet, uh, stretching, exercise, whatever it is, these guys are, are finding the fountain of youth to push themselves even further. Um, so, you know, makes the game more enjoyable. Roger? We lose Roger? No, no he's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, uh, let's, let's go to the, let's go to Sawgrass this weekend and some of your thoughts about uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what's going to happen there over the weekend because they got a lot of the top players on hand. Yeah. And uh, also, it's, it's one of the, well, uh, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It's the fifth major. You know, it's like the they're trying. They, the they want to make it the fifth major in the worst way. Yeah, it's the redheaded stepchild. I mean, it it gets its due. Um, you know, I like the fact that it's played in March and it gives these guys a a chance to amp up their games to you know a championship level. I mean, you know, historically, I mean, you know, this was the biggest win of Ricky Fowler's career. Hold it, hold um, it, Doug. We're we're out of time and. Uh, Frank, just gave you the signal that we'll all get together next week. Thank you very much. Roger, thank you. Take care, fellas. You got it. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Don. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. And the men within the United States Armed Forces and the men with Cease and Fire Services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know that you know they're there. Any type of wink or handshake, who really goes over big with their and helps them get through the day. These programs are brought to are dedicated to those who've lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, <coughs> Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Mr. Mike Henler, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, 
Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Charlie Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Arnolfo Crispin, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Deputy Josh Myers, Nassau County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman, uh, the patrol, in the, no, I'm sorry, patrol deputy, um, Charlie Cotton, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Matt, uh, I'm sorry, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artifo, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Flakus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Alpha along with the Police Department, and Chief Jimmy Ford will make the fire department. My brothers and sisters, well, you will be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the word. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rain fall softly in your fields and the sunshine light on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the palm of his hands. God bless and have a great week. Shemalek ma'yelama Shemahezahilma Sona shenevoratfet Hakuigaget ma'yelama
dispatch to 1999. County dispatch to 1999. All units be advised, 1999 is responding to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.